All right. It took us a minute to get here, but we are here. Hello, beautiful people. It is me, Tasha K. with Goddess Day. And per usual, I am so excited to be here with you guys today for the Tasha Talks Money live podcast experience. And I love doing live podcasts because it's one thing to just be talking, but to be able to get the experiences and the comments of everybody in the process, I just love that. And I want to welcome our very special guest today, Ariane from The Emotional Exchange. I am super, super happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Tasha. I'm excited about our conversation. Oh, today. it's about to be good. I'm all ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to go in now. And I want to start, we're going to circle back, but real fast as we jump mm -hmm. in, I want to hear, you know, our topic today is how can you be emotionally well as you mm -hmm. work to build wealth? And I want to preface that by saying, you know, for a lot of us, we are taught mm -hmm. at a very young age about the importance of success and achievement. And mm -hmm. I know that for me, from the time that I was very, very young, I was taught that, you know, getting straight A's in school is important. And mm -hmm. it was normal for me to sacrifice my wellness, to sacrifice my self-care, to sacrifice my sleep mm -hmm. in order to be successful. And I already knew, even while I was young, that I was going to have to work twice as hard as everybody else, mm -hmm. just to be able to have the level of success that I wanted. And mm -hmm. it seemed justifi justified. It seemed worth it. It seemed important. It seemed necessary. So mm -hmm. I want to know from you, before we really dive in, why do you mm -hmm. think that this conversation is so important? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Well, one, we're talking about wealth building and generational wealth and taking care of ourselves. And the way that you take your take care of yourself is a big testament to how your, you know, generations after you is going to be able to connect with you. Like your legacy mm -hmm. is now you're creating your legacy now. And we mm -hmm. see these conversations about generational wealth and entrepreneurship and running our own businesses. But it's also important to make it to through your journey. So yeah, in your 20s or 30s or even 40s, you can be building wealth. But what is 60 year old you look like after spending all of these years neglecting yourself, not going to, you know, um, fitness instructors or not eating well or not speaking a therapist and talking to somebody? What does that stress look like in your body long term? What does your business look like long term if you as the CEO, as the person who is leading and guiding us, doesn't have the sustainability to carry on this legacy that you're building? So that's why it's important, because I want us to be able to eat the fruit of our labor, see our younger generations, let's see our grandchildren, let them allow them to bask in all of our hard work. And none of those things are going to happen if we are stressed out, have bunches of money and completely miserable and unhappy. So. Like, I love that you focused on. So I'm, I'm over here taking my notes. If you guys are listening, <laughs> whether you're listening live or whether you're about to run this back and listen to the replay, make sure that you take some notes. You should have your Goddess Day notebook by now. 
and I'm looking for one because I'm writing in mine. <laughs> um, so, but make sure you have your notebook and a pen so that you can take notes because this stuff is important. And I'm so glad that you said sustainability, right? Like, mm -hmm. what does the long-term game look like? And I always say, like, and you talking about 60, baby. I'm talking about 30 and 40 because I'm starting to feel mm -hmm. it right now. Y'all can't tell me. <laughs> you cannot tell me that you are not feeling the effects of yes. aging right now. Even though we're young, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Yes, very much. <laughs> we young. Very much young. However, mm -hmm. you know, not as young as we once were because I went ice skating the other day. And it was so much fun. I haven't been isolated in about maybe 10 years. But I was Ooh. out there. And first of all, I had to find my bearings. You know, me and Gravity had yeah. to have a conversation. <laughs> and then I'm looking at these kids. They just fall. Bloop, they just jump mm -hmm. right back up like they have a spring in them like this. They just right, jump. Right. Wow. Right. Oh, to be young again. But at the same time, mm -hmm. I always say, Youth covers a multitude of sins. Like, you ain't get enough sleep? That's all right. I got you. You ain't eat right? It's okay. I got you. You ain't been working out? No big deal. But turn 30. Turn 30. And think you're going to still be doing those things. It ain't the same. The bounce back is not the same. And the reality check is going to hit you hard. So that is why I think as you mentioned, it's so important because now we're getting in that era. We're getting, you know, at that yeah. stage where we're starting to feel the impact. Yeah. Right? I wanted to speak about that a little bit, Tasha, because the, the truth of the matter is, is that we are the generation to make the change. We are capable. We have the information. We have the knowledge. We have the resources. We are our ancestors dream already. So with all the tools that you have and access, like obtainability to the things that you have, your wellness is something that should definitely be prioritized when we're talking about generational wealth. It seems like there is this um, theme that you have to choose one or the other. Like I have to choose either the happy family or relationship or, or my career and that there is no room to have both in existence at the same time. And I just want to remind us of the people who have made those choices, who we look up to as success stories, who have also now mentioned that they are lonely, that they wish that they did not make certain mistakes in their marriages, that they wish that they would have found someone sooner, that they wish they would have had children earlier. Like, I just want us to pay attention to the patterns of success that has come before us so that we can use the tools and accessibility that we have now to make a difference. Pay attention to the patterns yeah. of success. Mm -hmm. That's already written. So before we, and I'm going to, there are some things that I want to make sure that we circle back on. But before we really get into it, do you all know who Ariana is? Like, do you all know who she <laughs> is? I've been calling her the Black woman therapist because I know how important it is for Black women to be able to be in spaces and conversations like this with people who look like them. But Ariane works as a psychotherapist in Atlanta, Georgia. We're both in Atlanta right now. And she specifically works on assisting entrepreneurs with their everyday 
emotional reactions to life stressors. So let that sink in. Like all of us are experiencing stressors on a day-to-day basis, but we don't always know how to deal with them. And that's what she does. She helps people cope with life stress. She also assists people with addressing symptoms of emotional distress, such as depression and anxiety, which we're going to talk more about today. During her journey to become a psychotherapist, she witnessed the importance of psychoeducation in everyday life. As she consumed lessons on trauma, neuropsychology, psychological history, and just being human, she experienced a growing compassion for herself. Ariane was able to make the connection to better understand interactions throughout her lifetime that contribute to her personal issues of abandonment, imposter syndrome, and self-criticism. So thank you so much for sharing such a vulnerable uh, bio with us today. And um, I want to talk about some of the things that you have experienced in your own life and what imposter syndrome mm-hmm. has looked like for you. But before we do, you, you mm-hmm. said something earlier that we are the generation to make the change. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to say a little bit more about that. What does that mean mm-hmm. to you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, just even us having a conversation about mental health in general is an example of us being the change. It wasn't normalized to have conversations about mental health. Mental health was hugely tabooed in the generations right before us, Mm -hmm. okay? Very in close proximity. You know, therapy is being being glamorized now as a vessel to have a better life, especially coming out of the pandemic. But even pre-pandemic, it wasn't something that was trendy. You know, so that reason alone, acknowledgement of our mental health, people talking about postpartum depression, couples going to therapy, children going to therapy, getting uh, uh, young boys and and young girls, black young boys and black young girls um, experiencing uh, black history and actually getting the true education of where they're coming from. And even just the acceptability of African culture being a part of our norm and you see a lot of black Americans wanting to be connected to their roots. There's just so many different pieces of Mm -hmm. information that we are getting our accessibility to YouTube. We have the ability to teach ourselves absolutely anything without even going to school or paying somebody to do it. The accessibility that we have to education is why we are different and why we are the generation to make an impact. I I definitely love that. And I can see it with my own parents. And I was thinking about how, you know, we have glamorized therapy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, therapy is the move. Like, go get you some help. We're not about to be continuously dealing with the same (laughs) traumas. It's not cute. Like, it's not cute. Mm -hmm. Like, and, um, but I think about how, you know, that wasn't necessarily available to our parents and we get to right. be involved in a conversation for self-care, self-love and, you know, receiving help. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like we fight them for our lives over here. Like we really we are, are doing a lot of the work to make sure that we are not carrying on that trauma. And I think mm-hmm. about what that's going to look like for our children. Right. Like our parents mm-hmm. generation was different. Our generation is different. And I think it could be the case that our children, they might not have to fight for self-love the same way we do, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've already done so much work. The evolution of that is going to look like they are born in a world where they already feel worthy. You know, they're not Mm -hmm. doing affirmations every single day. That's 
to remind themselves that their mm-hmm. humanity means something. And that mm-hmm. is so exciting to me because sometimes I feel like, you know, the struggle is never ending. The healing is right. never ending. Working on myself, the process of that is never ending. But mm-hmm. the hope is that my child and my and my, my children's children, that they don't mm-hmm. have that same, you know, fight to feel worthy mm-hmm. that I have. Mm-hmm. But it's a privilege, right? It's a privilege mm-hmm. for me to even be in the conversation for, for demanding my worthiness because it wasn't even a conversation that our parents were able to have. So the evolution of this is mm-hmm. such a beautiful thing. Yes, yes. I love that so much. I love that so much. And I also just want to highlight that the healing is a journey. Like having the belief system shift, we are shifting our beliefs. And we're hoping that our beliefs about our self-worth, our self-love, and our all of those things, just like our mental health, abuse, trying to get help, adjusting, community, love, accept, accepting and expressing emotions. We're hoping that those things are something that will be passed on because they will because we're doing the work naturally. But I also just want to say that when things are passed down in generation, it does not minimize the work that needs to be done. Think of your mental health as exercising or Think of it as like a a business that is being passed down to family generations, a farm. Just because my great grandfather owned this farm doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have to work as hard. It just means that my work looks differently because of the technology and the evolution of resources that have come that I have that he didn't have. But I still probably have to wake up super early. I still probably have to, you know, work a certain amount of hours that he did. But the labor of it all looks differently. So I think that sometimes we think of mental health and healing as something that does not take physicality. But mental health is just as physical. Having positive mental, emotional wellness is just as physical as losing weight, eating healthy, and building a business from scratch. Mm, I love that you said, you know, the work, it doesn't necessarily go away, but it's just going to look different. And I think that is literally the manifestation of the conversation of looking at what it has looked like from generation to generation. I remember when, um, I don't know if my mom is listening, but I remember when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I was in my room and I was crying and I can't remember why I was crying, but I just remember I was so hurt. My little heart was hurt. And I heard my mom coming around the corner and she said, you know, I'm thinking that she's about to come and comfort me. I'm like, my mom's coming. And when she came into the room, she was like, Tasha, stop crying. Crying is a sign of weakness. And, um, she meant well from you know mm-hmm. the perspective that she had because there was a certain strength that was necessary for her to be able to survive oh, in life yeah. right yeah. but when she you know put that on me i can remember something turned off in me but as mm. i grew older right i have been able to turn that back on just mm. because of what doing the work looks like in my generation and that's mm-hmm. going to continue to evolve and evolve and evolve yeah. Yeah, I think that is just so beautiful. But I want to hear more about what you mean. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, shout out to Markeisha. She said, may our children not have to fight for their self-worth and peace. And amen. To that. Amen. 
I want to hear more though about um, what you mean when you say that this work, the work of healing is just as physical as anything else. Say more about that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, when we think about our brain is a muscle, right? And it changes and evolves as we obtain more information. So we have to work the muscle of our brain by obtaining and retaining positive inputs is what I like to, to call them. We need positive inputs every day. We have to pay attention to what we're listening to, what we're eating, where we're going, our surroundings, what positions we're putting our body in that will impact our mental health. Like one, one thing that I do is I do not listen to rap music in the morning. There is no way that I could wake my butt up and then start hearing curse words straight off the bat because that is going to ignite a different personality inside of me that that's not what I want to carry my whole life. <laughs> Like, what are we doing? So when I say that your mental wellness is physical, I'm saying that you have to move. A big piece of our mental wellness comes with how we move our bodies. It's not just, exercise is not just about losing weight. It's about accepting happy hormones and allowing them to set themselves off naturally. And the way that you do that naturally is moving your body, getting vitamin D from the sun, listening to certain sounds mm -hmm. and um, just messages. What are you looking at? Like making sure that you're taking breaks from these daggone computers and, you know, relaxing your mind. How are you settling your spirit mm -hmm. so that you can go through your day positively? And I hear and a lot of what I hear you saying is like the choice of it all too, you know, mm -hmm. making decisions that are going to pay off later as well. Yeah. I mean, every day we're making decisions that will impact, impact our mental health. Like when you give somebody a compliment, it sets off their tone in, in your brain. When you hug someone, it is setting off oxytocin because that's our love chemical like just being aware of the interactions is is a huge part of our mental wellness oh I'm gonna I'm come back to that because I want to tie it in with some other stuff um but I mm -hmm. want to talk about one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I see how much you are a huge advocate mm -hmm. for access to therapy and mm -hmm. you know how passionate you are about um, people actually feeling their feelings. And so yeah. I wanted you to say, you know, why do you think therapy is so important? And why do you think that it is important for us to be able to feel our feelings? Yeah, I think therapy is important. The most blatant way that I could say is that we walk through this world with a mask. We all do. We leave our house and put a mask on. Therapy is an opportunity for you to take your mask off or at least learn how to have the courage to take the mask off, take the cape off, to be your naked, true self, which we all are terrified of. But the truth of the matter is, is that our brain has protectors that has protected us from our true feelings. 
So I want to normalize emotions so that when we do get to therapy or when we do have opportunities to um, have intimate relationships, mm-hmm. we can do them authentically and in mm-hmm. a very vulnerable way. <laughs> so yeah. I'm laughing because I'm literally thinking about the scenario. Y'all are going to laugh at me, but I don't care. I'm going to share it. You know, I told you I had kind of turned off my emotions for a, a long time in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I didn't date until I was 28. And that's probably part of the reason. I tell people I had an mm-hmm. icebox mm-hmm. where my heart used to be like mm-hmm. for real. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking to this guy and I, I would say we were talking. And he was just telling me stuff like, you know, he would say, I miss you. And I was like, first of all, that's doing too much. Like, um, I don't know. It's too many feelings involved. And like, I don't Mm -hmm. think I can do Mm -hmm. this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he told me one day, he was like, Tasha, like you do relationships like a business. Like Mm -hmm. there is Mm -hmm. just cold. And I really Mm -hmm. sat with that. And one day I was doing this exercise and part of the exercise was like, you know, do something that's out of your comfort zone. And Mm -hmm. the thing that came to me to do was like, try to have an emotional interaction with another person that, Mm-hmm. romantically that wasn't like a business transaction so mm-hmm. I really didn't know how to do this and so I went to Google mm-hmm. and I typed in romantic text messages <laughs> yeah okay. I really did and then there is a website okay. for romantic text messages there's what literally what did that tell you what did that <laughs> What is that? I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Not the only one. And it also tells you that you're not the only one who has been wearing a mask or who has learned to suppress their emotions Mm -hmm. and not express them. A big piece that I was talking to one of my mentors about is that she is around 72 ish. Sorry, Miss B, if I got (laughs) something wrong, but I love you. But, um, yeah, we, we, and I'm uh, 31 t- turning 32, we both received the same messages from our mothers about our feelings. Suck it up, what you crying for, like you're doing too much, relax yourself, like why are you getting so upset? Those messages teach us to suppress our feelings and across generations, they have been the same for years. So when I'm talking about generational healing, generational wealth, I'm talking about changing those messages, no longer telling ourselves that it's not okay to express ourselves. If and I you can cry, make I a can decision. Cry. You can make the decision to do something different. And Absolutely. when when I was, I promise you, like my palm, like I had wrote, I had picked a romantic text message and I picked the mm-hmm. one that was like the least romantic. I was like, yeah. we're not about to do too much. Like, let me take some baby steps. And I my my palms were sweaty. I ain't mm-hmm. never experienced nothing like this before. Like I'm in a movie, like my palms were sweaty. And I mm-hmm. honestly felt like I was going to pass out from sending a simple text like I miss you or something. Mm-hmm. And I sent it and girl, when I tell you like it, it, the switch turned on, my boyfriend mm-hmm. will tell you like, I am the most emotional, the most romantic, the most mm-hmm. loving. And my friend mm-hmm. told me, she was like, you experience such a wider range of emotion now than you used mm-hmm. to. And I think that mm-hmm. that is so important. And that's what it looks like for us to like, let go of the numbness, the way that we're moving mm-hmm. through the world. So mm-hmm. disconnected and so mm-hmm. disintegrated from ourselves. Right. 
Right. And a huge part of what therapy does is it mirrors a safe relationship. It mirrors positive communication. It mirrors a healthy communal relationship where both both people are reciprocating and both people are sharing in exchange and safety is established. A non-judgmental experience is established. And I hope that those who are in therapy and, you know, go through the process of healing are able to provide that safe space to others. Because what we've seen in our early childhood, younger and across generations, that expressing your feelings was not safe. And hence, our ancestors, it was not safe for them. You know, being Black people, it was not safe for them to look weak, right? But we get to, like you said, make a choice to change that narrative in our belief system of what strong looks like, what weak looks like, what does emotional expression in a healthy way look like. We get to define that. Um. And we are defining that, you know, and that's what I think is so powerful is that we we have been changing the narrative and changing the conversation and, you know, putting this at the forefront and stress Mm -hmm. is still killing us. (laughs) stress is still killing us because as much as we talk about you know taking off the cape that we're Mm -hmm. not superwoman that we're not Mm -hmm. your mule you know that Mm -hmm. black women are not your savior you know that Mm -hmm. we're not going to be doing everything for everybody all the time even though we have those conversations the reality of Mm -hmm. our life in everybody's Mm -hmm. life is that there's a lot going on you know it's Mm -hmm. like you got to go to work you may have to go to school you got to do the dishes you got to do the laundry you got to clean the house and don't let you have kids i mean i don't know how y'all do it there are just talk (laughs) 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 just thinking about Look, ghetto. Okay, it's a whole nother layer. <laughs> but, it's a whole nother layer. Yeah, and there's just a lot going on in life in general. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot going on in you know the things that we have to deal with that people mm-hmm. tell us is normal. That going right. to work and taking care of the kids and mm-hmm. having a social life and having to yeah. do all of these other things when it's like it's falling off my plate. I am overwhelmed and I'm overworked and I'm overburdened. And it is actually, Mm -hmm. you know, I like to talk about cortisol just very clearly because Mm -hmm. whether you feel, you know, you don't know when you you don't know that, oh, Mm -hmm. oh, cortisol, you know, you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. feel it. But Mm -hmm. the press and and, and black women are notorious for not feeling stressed. Black people, women, people in general in this in this hyper capitalist environment, Mm -hmm. we're very Mm -hmm. used to the overachievement cycle. We have very much normalized overworking, Uh you know, working 80 hours a week. We don't even know stress anymore. Mm -hmm. We can't even feel Mm -hmm. stress. It's like the alarm Mm -hmm. is going off, but we cannot hear it. We have drowned it out. Ah, Okay, now you're speaking because the drowning of it, it's not that the stress is not there. It's just that we have learned very early to suppress the stress work through the stress we've normalized the stress into our experiences which has benefits when you think about the growth and the impact and how achieving we are 
But the other impact that it has is on our personal well-being, our ability to take breaks, our own personal love for ourselves. Sometimes we have resentment over ourselves and our abilities to be high achieving. So you have guilt, workers guilt. I don't want to sit here and not do anything. If I'm not doing anything, then I'm lazy and who am I? And, you know, all these negative self-talks that come in there and messages and beliefs about what does rest look like? That's why there's a whole wave of... um not just entrepreneurs, but therapists and mental health practitioners, self-care, because we're really seeing this wave of how important rest is. And I just want to like normalize the fact that rest, yes, is absolutely important and necessary to talk talk about in our um, Black community. And so is self-care. And what's also important to acknowledge that without talking to the experiences that led us to believe that self-care wasn't important, that have led us to believe that we have to overwork ourselves, overtaking care of ourselves, without experiencing what those exchanges were earlier on, we're not going to be able to enjoy the self-care. Again, mental health is a physical thing. You have to do the work in order to relieve the stress in order to be emotionally well and healthy. You cannot self-care yourself out of trauma. You cannot rest yourself out of trauma. You're going to have to literally find a safe place, a safe environment that you can take your mask off, take your cape off, take your worker boots off and really connect with Mm -hmm. your soul. And really connect Mm -hmm. with your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just over here thinking, you know, I don't be trying. I don't. We ain't got a rush. Some stuff. Sometimes you just need to process mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And that's okay. And the topic today is, you know, how to be emotionally well mm-hmm. as you build wealth. And I'm yeah. really thinking about, you know, what are the connectors? How do we? How do we connect? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it feels so disconnected as we talk about, you know, the reality of the stress that we deal with in life and Mm -hmm. then understanding that the achievement cycle isn't going anywhere because we're still 400 years behind our peers when it comes to, you know, building wealth. And that process isn't going to get any easier overnight. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I'm constantly thinking about what does that connective piece look like? And when we talk about you know, it's like, what is it, even when all those things around us aren't going to change, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do we figure out how to have that quiet and still place on the inside where our soul lives, mm-hmm. where our spirit exists? Mm-hmm. How do we figure out how to maintain stillness there when mm-hmm. there's so much that's required and going on around us? And it, is that even possible? Yeah, well, one, um, one of my mentors, he's in on Instagram and he said it's very hard to have it all all at once and I just wanted to speak on that statement is because we have to think about the realities of what we can engage in at one time and we have to understand that life has ebbed and flows so not all the time will 
certain areas of your life be at 100%. And I think that we need to incorporate, not even I think, we do need to incorporate grace, patience, leniency into our lifestyle. Maybe this area... I want yeah. to pause you right there because, you know, we need to, you know, we need to put some grace in there. We need to put some leniency in there. But I'm working with people who are literally trying to do the work of several generations in one. And sometimes mm -hmm. it just doesn't even feel like there is a lot of space for leniency. Sometimes it just, I'm just being honest, you know, it's like we can have mm -hmm. a conversation, but yeah. what does it actually look like applied yeah. to the life of a woman who is an overachiever or a man who wants to provide a legacy for his family? And we really mm -hmm. trying to do this in real life. It's yeah. like, what is, how do, how do, what do is in your, <laughs> what is in your control and what is not? I think that when you talk, when you just said that they're trying to make impact for generations of past, I think about like what is outside of your control versus what is in your control. And I see that like there's individuals who want to take on, like I'm a therapist, you know, and I come from a home that was not necessarily perfect or healthy when it comes to communication or mental health. Both of my parents have struggles with mental health and they still to this day, I love y'all, but I'm gonna call y'all out. Neither one of them done seen a damn therapist. So, you know, <laughs> look, let me pretend to be shocked. <gasps> right. But that is our generation. But do you think that my job, this is when we honestly have to be honest with ourselves oh, and take man. off the case. Oh, is man. my job here with my years, is my spirit, my soul's job to oh, heal my, my mother's trauma? Is that what I'm here for? Or am I here to use the gifts that God give, gave me to make impact and change? Yes, mm -hmm. impact, change. That impact and change may not be specifically just and only for my mother. Just and only for my grandmother. Just and only for my father. Just and only for my brother. My impact is way greater than my immediate family. And I love them. Anybody see them? They all up on my Instagram page. Yeah, at Emotional Exchange. Love them. But my purpose here is bigger than that. Mm -hmm. So I think Ooh, that sometimes. That's so bold and brave and like, girl, I'm preaching to you right now. <laughs> I love them. I really do. But I think that when you have the responsibility of being the one, being the only, being the impactor of your crew, of your family, of your tribe, you do take on the responsibility unconsciously to fix everything and everyone around you. But that being the fixer, being the people pleaser, being the go-to helper is not healthy. Because we just said that life is ebbs and flows and the percentages of different parts of your life are going to be at different measurements. How am I supposed to not time. be a fixer, Ariane? How am I supposed to do that? I am <laughs> a fixer. Like, like, this is so good because, you know, it, we, we have developed, you know, so many different mechanisms that drive mm -hmm. us. I am definitely right. a fixer. I know some mm -hmm. of you are people pleasers. We all have yep. our things 
that we have. And what really stood out to me is when you said like, you know, we are, what can we actually do? You know, we're not, we're not even here to do everything. Right. And so even if we do have, you know, the, thought process, even if we want to have create a generational legacy, that doesn't mean that we have to be the only person who contributes to that. We can create right. a generational foundation, right? We can create a space for the positive evolution to take place, right? Right. We don't have to do all the heavy lifting. No. We can just be, you know, one of the shoulders, that people right. begin to stand on. We don't have to, you know, create, we don't have to walk the whole mountain. We can right. just start taking some of those steps. And this is important because exactly. when you try to take on everything, it's actually mm -hmm. self-sabotage. You're selling Absolutely. yourself short and you're not going to be able to accomplish what you could have accomplished had you just been realistic in the first place. Right. Exactly. This and Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I was going to say, like, being realistic, being honest. I think a big piece of our superwoman hero complex that we've been taught to have through, let's, through trauma, I'm going to say through trauma, okay? It's not like we um, came into this world wanting to be these superheroes and wanting to take everything on. This has mm -hmm. definitely been, um, you know, systematic oppression on our people to overcome. And just all of the messages that our ancestors and generations before us have learned. But because we are the generation that has the information and access to the tools, we can redefine what wealth looks like. We can redefine what healthy living right now looks like. And I think that is super duper important to understand what your purpose is and how you can, like you said, be the shoulders, take the steps for other people behind us. And I think being informative over of mental health, over how your brain works and operates, about the chemicals within inside of you, the physiological aspects of just being human beings. Being able to understand that and pass that information down, that's like huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I wish someone would have told me that, you know, sweaty palms or, you know, crying excessively could possibly lead to, uh, lead to depression. Like, I didn't have big conversations about mental wellness and what that looked like, even though I was a child who was experiencing depression. I'm going to circle back to that in a second. I wanted to say that once we create, once you create this context that we're talking about, where you, I'm going to be honest, I actually see a pathway now to like take off the cake. I'm, I didn't mm -hmm. really see it before. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I'm a superwoman and that's just that. Mm -hmm. Like you can't tell a superwoman not to be a superwoman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. when I look at what is honest, Mm -hmm. it really does create a new context for me in terms of just workability, you know? Yes. And then once you can be honest about that, then you can start to look at what do you actually have the capacity for? And I want to say mm -hmm. that if we want to avoid the burnout and we want to avoid mm -hmm. the stress and 
all of that, you have to look at the fact that, you know, like Ariane said, you're not going to be able to be on 100% in everything all the time. And you want to look at what season are you in and what do you have the capacity for in that particular right. season and, you know, make peace with that <laughs> and have exactly. that be enough and have that be okay. Yeah. But Ariane, I wanted to share something from your Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I can. Oh, here we go. Okay, cool. So it says, this is something I found while I was stalking you today. Yeah, okay. It says, you know, this year I suffered through the worst episode of my life mm -hmm. silently. And that same three months, I made the most money, seen the mm -hmm. most clients, connected with beautiful people, and developed an eight-week wellness curriculum. Woo -woo. Mm -hmm. So when people look at me and say, she has done the work, I'm doing the work. Depression mm -hmm. can look so different outwardly. It's in the solitude of a person's home where we lose the battle. And there are a couple mm -hmm. things that, you know, while you were talking about that you were a child experiencing depression and that's something that you have mm -hmm. dealt with, and you were also talking about, you know, the different things that you do or that we should be doing to mm -hmm. be more physical in our efforts for wellness. I wanted mm -hmm. to, like, this right here is, is literally the embodiment of this whole conversation for me because we're talking about how can we make our wellness mm -hmm. a priority even as mm -hmm. we are achieving. And mm -hmm. I want to know, what was that like? What was that experience like for you? Which experience? The experience of achieving wellness. I mean, being an achiever, right? Accomplishing mm -hmm. the things that you've accomplished while also mm -hmm. doing the work. Mm, okay. Well, this the reason why I put this out here is because I wanted to normalize the fact that we are all experiencing things in a uh, very complex, dynamic way. And if you are a creative, then you are someone who is complex and dynamic. And I also wanted to normal normalize the fact that just because you see someone doing doesn't necessarily mean that they have achieved what they personally want to achieve and um i also just wanted to also normalize the fact that don't judge a book by its cover like we never really know what someone is going through on the inside and instagram is again a mask that people show up as their best self and it may not be the person who is you know having these mental battles mm -hmm. um personally so if I can be transparent, I'm someone who thrives in my suppression. So I, the reason why I birth emotional exchange, because I realized that having emotional exchanges with people and normalizing, expressing emotions is very healing. Like if you ever had a like deep conversation with one of your girlfriends, like, dang, we really talking about this. It just brings you guys closer the vulnerability of it all the authenticity the abilities to say like yeah girl that happened to me or yeah bro I can't believe that you're experiencing that too you know like those experiences are healing and mm -hmm. I myself even as a therapist I'm super duper good at 
not acknowledging my feelings. That's why <laughs> that's why it's a big mission of mine. So during those three months, I was capable of doing all of these things because I was not taking care of myself. I was depressed. And when you're in a depressive episode, you are not taking care of yourself. So when we talk about those percentages that that go in your different pockets of life, my entrepreneurship was like 80%. My, you know, meeting my clients and giving 30, it's like 85%. She's killing it, you know? Like in all of these other social media, boom, she's coasting 75%. She's doing it. But what if all of these areas of my life are having A, A plus, A, B, whatever, where does that leave enough for me personally? And my personal um, battery life percentage was low, extremely, extremely low. So, um, you know, I put this out here just to tell my story to let people know, like, I know you've seen me on podcasts and all these things, but, you know, you, unless I disclose, I'm good at not sharing. And I think a lot of other entrepreneurs are too. And it's important to understand that the person behind the company is a human being. And they too deal with mental health things and struggles and topics. So that's why I think it's most important for entrepreneurs to be emotionally well, because these are the people who spend least time interacting with folks. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you so much for being willing to share that with us, because a lot of people are experiencing their own version of that. And I think some people don't even know that. Some people Mm -hmm. don't even know that they're experiencing their own version of that because depression, like you said, can look so different Mm -hmm. outwardly and Mm -hmm. inwardly. I know that Mm -hmm. maybe a year or so ago, I was experiencing what I would call a lot of depressive symptoms and Mm -hmm. I didn't know it at all because I Mm -hmm. literally thought that depression meant sadness at my Mm -hmm. big, big age. I Mm -hmm. thought that depression was just a deep and oppressive sadness. Mm -hmm. And since I wasn't sad, I didn't, Mm -hmm. it didn't even occur to me that I could Mm -hmm. be depressed. But what I was actually experiencing was like an inability to focus at a magnitude of something I had never experienced before. I would Mm -hmm. sit down at my desk and have my to-do list and get nothing done for eight hours. Mm And I just couldn't understand why Mm -hmm. that was happening, you know, Mm -hmm. or um, just different things. Like I was experiencing so many different things that I didn't connect to depression. Um, And I was experiencing anxiety, too. You know, heart palpitations, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. tension and all over my body, like my Mm -hmm. muscles contracting, all types of twitching. Didn't yep. know that that was anxiety or could yep. be a sign of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think one big thing that um, I believe people are lacking is language. Like you're talking about right now is like symptoms and behaviors and acknowledging of them. And I believe that language is super important too. And just express, uh, 
describing your emotions. So, you know, when you're talking about depressive symptoms or anxiousness, you know, I'm thinking about what it feels like to be insecure or worried or feeling helpless the sadness that may be associated with depression, if you are feeling immense loneliness or hurt or grief, you feel extremely fragile. Like if one more thing happens, I'm going to break. You know, if you're feeling super isolated, no one's here for me. I don't have anybody to talk to. If you're feeling like this big thing just happened to me and Honestly, I feel kind of empty. I really don't know. I mean, I guess it's good, but it might not be good. Like those those messages that you're telling yourself are associated with depression and anxiousness. If you constantly are walking around with this sense of threat, like something is going to attack you or you're going to lose something, at any moment, Mm -hmm. if I don't get another deal, then I'm not going to have the money that I need to do X, Y, and Z. That threat over your body is anxiety. And more times than not, if you're an entrepreneur, you are constantly taking risks, which you are just naturally putting yourself in situations where you're risking rejection, you're risking, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, financial security, like <laughs> feeling significant because we're we're constantly comparing ourselves and we're constantly in this bucket with a bunch of other entrepreneurs who are doing things very similar. So you're questioning your worth. Like these are reasons why entrepreneurs should have a therapist and everybody should have a therapist for sure, but specifically entrepreneurs because I believe that they are at risk of letdown easier. They are putting themselves at risk for uh, humiliation because at any point you can have a customer come and, you know, leave you a bad review that may leave you resentful. So there's just like an embarrassed, you know, the disappointment. There's just a bunch of different feelings that come when you are the person leading. When you are the person who believes that without your gift, without expressing yourself, this group of people over here won't be impacted. And if you feel the pressure of taking care of another human being in any type of way, any form, my gift is responsible to give people jobs. My gift is responsible to change the trajectory of these other people's lives. My gift is responsible to buy my mom a house, paying off this person's debt. If you feel any of those things when you wake up in your day, please seek a safe place to just rest yourself. Just ground yourself in that place of safety because you need it. I really, I could even feel it when you said just ground yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. and when we think about that takes me back because I want to continuously circle back to my commitment is that we really get a sense for how can you be emotionally well as you build wealth and Mm -hmm. that practice of grounding yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And getting help and getting support 
is going to be so important because we haven't necessarily been given the tools and the mm -hmm. skills, right? It's a skill, right? Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we think that when you go through life, we just automatically know, you know, how to do that. We're just supposed to automatically know how to go through life. And the reality is, is that that is not the case. There are, you know, happiness is actually a skill, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Like mm -hmm. you people, I tell people all the time, you know, one time somebody asked me, how do you know that you are worthy of living? Because sometimes wow. I don't know if I'm worthy of living. Sometimes I want to kill myself. And this mm -hmm. person didn't know that I've gone through periods of my life where I just didn't even want to exist anymore. The struggle mm -hmm. was so hard, you know, growing mm -hmm. up in poverty and wanting to be successful and the work mm -hmm. that it requires that to, to the grind that it requires, like mm -hmm. there's all, it's like, you're always between a rock and a hard place mm -hmm. and you never just get to rest. But the difference between, you know, uh, out the difference between to me between somebody who is happy and somebody who isn't is the, the happy person has gone through their own version of experiences as well. But they figure mm -hmm. out how do I cope with this? How do I deal with this? How do I move past this? We all have our own types mm -hmm. of emotional trauma. But mm -hmm. how do we deal with them? What are the coping mechanisms that we have? I look at myself in, mm -hmm. in relation to some people in my family. And it's like, mm -hmm. I have a lot of coping mechanisms. That person mm -hmm. over there, they don't have any coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. our experience of life is going to be incredibly different. Mm -hmm. I would love to know, you know, yeah. as we wind down, what are some mm -hmm. of the... Um, what are some things that you do with your clients, some mm -hmm. tools that you use or maybe some exercises that you go through um, yeah. that would help people get themselves grounded to a place where, mm -hmm. you know, they can be emotionally well as they build well. Yeah. When I heard you talking, Tasha, the first thing that came to mind was safety. We have to understand that in order to heal, in order to be well, in order to enjoy our lives, we have to feel safe enough to do so. And that safety is built through connection, is built through community, but it's also very much connected to how safe you feel in your own body, in your own ability to make decisions for yourself, in your own ability to take care of yourself. I think a lot of the times we are struggling with the level of safety and security we feel within our own minds. And we see people who are happy mm -hmm. and we're like, oh, they're so happy. Y'all, they don't have nothing to worry about. They're not a fear of threat that something will be taken away from them. Or they feel if safe. I can add... Mm -hmm. They know how to deal with the fear. They know mm -hmm. how to mm -hmm. um, process that so that it doesn't steal their happiness or their joy. In, in, in yeah, it's your recovery time. Like I talk about emotions are, are flowing. So we feel everything. Right. But our, how we behave and how we react to the emotion is super important. We have less. When you are in a healthy space, the recovery time to feeling the uh, 
emptiness, the shame, the grief, your recovery time is what determines how well you are and your, your emotional strength. Like how strong am I emotionally? But you asked me specifically, and I know that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) I was just talking to my friend the other day, Kara. I was just talking to her the other day about, you know, there are just some traumas I don't think that I'll ever overcome. You know, we talk Mm -hmm. about healing and Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I am better at dealing with certain things that I've gone through and they don't Mm -hmm. affect me for, you know, the same way that they used to. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was just something that I'll deal with for a few minutes and then I'll be able to move past it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the language for that because I'm like, I mean, really, I would just like it to be dead. You know, I would just like Mm -hmm. it to be dead and buried. But the reality is that some Mm -hmm. of the things that I've gone through, you know, they are not. And I don't know that they ever will be. But mm-hmm. the idea that the recovery time is also an indication of the healing, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, it isn't a constant oppressive thing that is mm-hmm. there. It's just something that, you know, affects me every now and then. And, mm-hmm. you know, where at one point I'm like, and this is and this is the processing, too. Like, right, when you give language to things at one point, mm-hmm. it's like, is it a failure that is still mm-hmm. there for me? But then Mm -hmm. the other side of that is like, no, it's a triumph because it's not affecting you at the same degree that it was. Mm -hmm. So, but I just wanted to share that that really, you really did make that available to me right now. (laughs) So thank Thank you for that. Of course. Um, I'm glad that you were vulnerable enough to share that. And I think it's important um, just to have these vulnerable emotional exchanges so that we can normalize what we're experiencing the recovery time is real and when you start experiencing it that is your triumph and you would never not want to feel anything because then you wouldn't be alive the emotions that we experience are in our brain they're already wired they're connected to us so the the um memories of them can the recovery time of the memory's impact can decrease Mm -hmm. as you heal. Yeah. Right. But it does not take away from the memory. Mm You feel me? Yeah. I was was sharing uh, with, I was sharing, hey, Shay. I was sharing with Kara, you know, it's like some stuff, it's really dead. You know, it's like some stuff I've mm-hmm. gone through, like the, 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 the impact of the memory just isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that she was like, well, it's like it, her, her reaction, her response was like, you know how you have a scab and the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the wound is fine as long as you don't bump the scab. But then mm-hmm. when you bump that thing, you know, it might <laughs> re-trigger some things that you thought were already healed. So, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love that, but what question yeah. are you answering? I can't even remember. Okay, <laughs> yes, because uh, you're you're saying such good stuff that it's hard for me not to speak to them. You, go ahead, and go then, ahead. We ain't we ain't on nobody's timeline. Okay. Then, <laughs> well, girl, we on the sleep timeline. But <laughs> okay, so I want to say about the if you are triggered by something that you believe that you are healed from. This is when you activate patience, grace, self-compassion, you know, like this is here, but remembering where you have come from, 
from the first time where that wound was there to where you are now. Like I'm experiencing this wound as a scar or as a healed entity of my life versus when the impact happened. Mm -hmm. That's growth. And that's why healing is like a journey and not necessarily a destination because we cannot predict the future. We never really know if something is going to trigger us later, but activating Mm -hmm. self-compassion, activating grace, activating patience, paying attention to our recovery time and acknowledging where we have come. I want to point out, right, because to some people, this might just be in the abstract, right? But Mm -hmm. I'll just put myself on display to show that this really impacts your experience of the thing when you Mm -hmm. can activate these things that Ariane is talking about. So if I'm going through something and my experience is that, well, why am I having this feeling? Shouldn't I Mm -hmm. be healed from this already? And, you know, getting upset with myself and mm-hmm. sitting in that triggered moment and, and and letting it fester versus when I have grace for myself and I'm like, well, you know, it's normal that, that you know, certain types of trauma might come up from time to time, right? Well, mm-hmm. now nothing is wrong here and I'm not experiencing myself like something is wrong. There is actually a real impact to your experience when you activate the things that Ariel was talking about. So if I go through something and I experience myself as why am I beating myself, why am I feeling this, or um, I should be over this already, and I'm allowing that experience to fester, versus you know it's normal to feel this way, or um, I'm really like I can really see the healing mm-hmm. in this area of my life, right? My actual experience based on telling myself is going to be qualitatively different, right? And one is gonna continue to further perpetuate the trauma and one is gonna work to further perpetuate healing. I just wanted that to not be something that is abstract and be something that you really do get that these part of, this is the physicality of emotional wellness. This is Mm -hmm. the type of work, you know, looking at what are those coping mechanisms and allowing them to be a part of our life experience as we, you know, as we learn them and leverage them and continue to go through life. So mm-hmm. let's go back to whatever. Do you remember the question you were supposed to be yes. answering? Yes. I wanted to give you guys some tools to yes. be emotionally well. And if anything, I just want to remind you all to get your dose of happy chemicals. That is your D as in dopamine, O as in oxytocin, S as in serotonin, and E as in endorphin. Um, All four of these emotions are your happy chemicals that are already stored in your brain, but we need to activate them in order to um, be happy. You know, you were talking about happiness and we're talking about like, what does it mean to do that? And um, our our dopamine is, um, it's like one of, hold on, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm losing my nose. Okay, so it's a, a happy hormone that is connected to movement. 
So in order to get your dose, you have to move your body first. So this is your exercise. This is your walking, going outside. Your oxytocin, your O, that is your love chemical. So that's when we're hugging people or hugging ourselves. That's when we are showing affection, giving someone a compliment. Our serotonin is our feel-good hormone. So we're doing the things that make us feel good, lighting the candles, eating good food. Um, and our endorphin is how we relieve stress. So anytime we're doing high tense activities, then your brain is setting off endorphins, with, which releases stress into our, uh, is a stress reliever for our body. So make sure that you're getting your dose, D-O-S-E, of happy chemicals, like on a daily, like make it your business to do something, one of those, to activate them naturally. So that's, that's a tip I wanted to give you guys. Um, that you can activate right now. And I also want to share with you all that therapy is really not a scary thing. It is, but it's not. Okay, because I gotta kind of be honest. It is a little scary, but it's also very much worth the risk of embracing yourself and getting to know yourself better. So make sure you guys um, get your dose of happy chemicals. Make sure that you're expressing self-compassion, patience, grace on a very deep, honest level. Intentionality is important when you're expressing those things. And then find you a therapist. There's plenty of black therapists out here. There are programs that provide resources if some of the therapists in your area or out area are outside of your budget um i have a link that i can send you all with a bunch of resources that also includes free therapy services so yeah you guys hit me up love it and i know that you have a program specifically for entrepreneurs and i know that everybody else is going to be a little bit jealous because you know you are obviously a therapist and the conversations that you champion are so important and the ways that you know the way that you approach it i think is so culturally important and culturally relevant and um share it with the people what is your program and how can they join yeah for sure i want to give you uh tasha's community a little insight on some of the things that i have so if you guys go to emotional-exchange.com, you can download my free order, my feelings workbook right now today. So wherever you're listening from, whenever you listen, go to emotional-exchange.com to see what resources free I have available for you guys. As far as my eight-week program, um, it's called the Hype Wellness Program. I take entrepreneurs from feeling stuck to thriving emotionally and feeling like they have the tools and emotional strength necessary to carry their business. So it is an eight-week program. You get one-on-ones with me every week uh, tied with homework, downloadables. I want you to leave the experience feeling like I can do and conquer anything. So if you're interested in the Hype Wellness community, please visit the website emotional-exchange.com and 
fill in your application. Come meet with me. I also do check-ins for entrepreneurs where you can sit with a therapist and wellness coach myself and just discuss some of the hurdles or blocks that you're currently having personally and professionally. Trey says, this is such an important topic and I couldn't agree more. And this is such an important program, like being able to create a space where people can do this type of work. I really think it's invaluable. And this is the type of resources that you need access to in order to be emotionally well as you feel well. And if we're being real, we live in a very hostile environment a lot of the time. Like a lot of the avenues that we have to creating wealth and a lot of the uh, emotional spaces that we've been taught to be in as we're creating wealth, they are toxic and they're not conducive to wellness. And, you know, even if as you're working, microaggressions that you're experiencing, if you're an entrepreneur, a lot of the, um, a, a lot of the messages that you get as an entrepreneur, again, not healthy. So I really want you guys to understand that it is so important, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, in this journey to financial freedom, it is important that you prioritize your emotional wellness. And part of that is being in spaces where you can safely connect with and share emotions um, and really get grounded as you continue to navigate your own personal path of prosperity. So thank you guys so much for being here. I see all of you. Um, uh, Thank you for thank you, Ariane, for this incredible conversation. I am so grateful to be able to have you here to share your perspective. Um, I think that you added so much, like so much authenticity, so much realness, so much practical things, so many practical things that people can use on their journey to being emotionally well. So thank you so much, and um, I look forward to. Uh, having more conversations like this in the future. And um, that's Tasha Talks Money and More for you. We'll be with you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.